You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Man, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 8. We're going to start reading from there. I'm starting a new series called Dream. Um, man, and uh, I just want to encourage you. We're doing these uh, two-minute, three-minute uh, words of encouragement every day for those that are fasting and praying and seeking God. You know, we start off in our church for our guests. We start off uh, 21 days of fasting and seeking God. It's not enough just to deny your flesh something. you got to actually seek God during that time, too, to make it effective. Otherwise, it's just a diet. Amen. It's not really, it's not really pursuing God. And so we want to pursue God. And I, I'm just giving a word of encouragement later this week. I'll have some of the staff give a couple lessons and all 21 days, you'll have a, just a word of encouragement to keep going. So if you started fasting, finish. And if you haven't started, start, start fasting and praying and seeking God. You know, I talked about sharpening your axe, and man, we want to have a sharp axe. When we cut down trees, we want to have a sharp axe, and, and so that's what we're doing. We start off we start off every year sharpening our spirit because we want to hear from God. I also talked about on Wednesday night that, that what God said to Elijah, that he's not in the, the wind, and he's not in the fire, and he's not in the earthquake, but he's in a still, small voice, and we know that means in the Hebrew of, of the Old Testament, it means a whisper. He's in the whisper. And so what he's saying is you can know about me by the big things I've done, creating the universe and mankind and animal kingdom and plant kingdom. You can, you can know all about me by the big things I've done, but you can't know me unless you get close enough to hear me speak a whisper. And that's why he uses that term whisper because he wants to, he's saying you got to get close to me to hear. And in order to live a dream or a vision that God has for your life, you got to get close to him to hear it. And he has, he said, I have a plan for you. That means I have a dream for you. I have a vision for your life. And listen, without a vision for the future or a plan uh, in the future, uh, a dream in the future, you lose hope in the present. Let me say it again, you lose hope in the present. And so I want to start this morning before we get too deep in how, you know, what God does with dreams and how that process works, we'll get to that. But first, the first thing we have to have is that we have to have a spirit of faith. If you don't have a spirit of faith, then you're not going to be able to hear God. Or even if you hear him, you're not going to be able to carry it out without a spirit of faith. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, it says in verse 36, we are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. And, and Jesus says this, this is the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus, so it's, it's, it's his word. Yet even in the midst of all these things... What things? All the bad things, all the negative things, all the stuff that's happening in our country, all the stuff that's happening in the economy, all the stuff that's happening in your world, your life, your family, your stuff, in the midst of worldwide stuff, national stuff, city stuff, and your stuff. He said, in all these things, we triumph over them all. We triumph over them all. And then he says this, for God has made us to be more than conquerors, not just conquerors. I love it that God says, you're more than a conqueror. He said, and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. You know, God ties faith and love together all the time because it goes together. You can't have faith in somebody if you don't know they love you. I, I use this example all the time that because my children know that Julie and I love them, they have great confidence coming and asking us for stuff. 
I'm in great confidence. Way too much confidence. But you know, they know they can call us. They, if they fall or something happens or something goes wrong, they know they can call mom and dad. Why? The only reason they know they can call, the only reason they have a confidence in asking us to help is because they know we love them. And you can't have a spirit of faith until you first know how much God loves you. When you have this, when you understand how much he loves you, you have the confidence of David. David has had unbelievable confidence in God because he knew God loved him. I mean, he does stuff in the Old Testament like, it's kind of mind-blowing to me, the confidence he had. And I've learned a lot by reading the Bible about David's relationship with God. God said about David, he's only said this about one person other than Jesus. And Jesus wasn't after God's heart. Jesus is God's heart. But he said about David, he's a man after my own heart. He's a man pursuing my heart. Well, man, when you talk about the heart, you're talking about love. He said, this is a man after my heart that knows that I love him. And, that, and that's why David had such great confidence when other people were victims, when other people were falling down, David would rise up because he knew one thing, God loves me and he gave him such a great confidence to go and ask God, pursue God, seek God and step out in faith and live the dreams and visions that God had given him and actually see him come to pass. A lot of people dream, some people don't dream and they need to, they need to get closer to God and God will teach you how to dream. But a lot of people dream, and it's all pipe dreams. It's never going to come to pass. It's not going to come to pass because it's a, it's a dream that they're not going to believe God for. And sometimes it's not even a dream from God. It's not even a dream from God. You have to be able to discern that. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. But I, I want to talk about the difference between a, a, someone that has a victory mentality and someone that has a victim's mentality. You know, I was in... South Africa ministering years ago with my son Tyler and a group of other pastors, a pastor from South Africa had invited us down and we're in these huge outreaches in a soccer stadium at night preaching and ministering, seeing great things happen, fantastic things happen. But during the day we had a pastor's conference and we're in a pastor's conference. I can't remember exactly how many pastors were in there, but there was a lot of pastors and we're doing it outside. It was outside the stadium and we're all sitting around in chairs just talking outdoors. Africa is a very, very beautiful place. The weather was great. And so we're outside talking and we're ministering. And uh, the led man who led me to Jesus, Pastor Swan, was ministering to, to the pastors and talking about the spirit of faith. And right in the middle of his message, one man stood up and he was all raggedy looking and his hair wasn't combed, his clothes were all wrinkled and he stood up and he said, he said, hold on a second. I passed her out in the outback, out in this village. He named the village and he said, man, I don't believe any of what you're saying is true. He said, man, you guys from America come over here and you guys have everything and you know, God doesn't move like that over here. He said, my village hadn't had rain for three years and all the people have given up on God. I have hardly anybody left in my church and man, I, I've kind of given up. And he just, he just started talking about all the things he couldn't do, all the things he can't do. And then I started noticing the other, some other pastors in the room starting to nod in agreement with him. And so Pastor Swan's listening to this and he, he turns around and looks at me and says, you won't say anything to this guy? Well, little did he know that inside of me, rose up the spirit of, of my father. It was, it was rising like a temperature. And it was just, and I, I said, I'm not gonna say nothing to them. I don't wanna be angry, I don't wanna be mad. And then the, the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, that, that's me, that's my passion. That's my anger towards the spirit of doubt. 
You say what I tell you to say. And so I said, okay, well, if someone asked me to speak, I'll do it. And he turned around and said, hey, you got something? I'm like, okay, here we go. And I stood up and I pointed at him and I said, I'm telling you right now, that's, that's a foul spirit of doubt and unbelief. What God does in America, he can do in Africa, he can do on the moon, he can do on Jupiter, he can do in Mars. And I began to rebuke him and man, he got super offended and set his rear end down. And then we continued on with the conference. Little did I know, that right after that meeting, he went, got, got on bucks. He was so offended. He got on, and I didn't, it was my heart to offend. I didn't go over there to offend anybody. I wanted to love people, but it was just, it was a moment. And, uh, and so I didn't know, but he left that conference that day. He was supposed to be there a week. He got on the bus and went back to his village, and he was madder than heck. He was, he was mad at God. The whole time at the bus, he's like, how dare that white man speak to me like that? How dare him say this? How dare this? And how dare that? And then all of a sudden, on that bus, God the Father showed up and said, he was right. He said, everything I told him to say to you, you're wrong. He was right. Doesn't matter if he's white, brown, or purple. That was my word for you. And it shut him up. And so all the way on that bus drive home, God's rebuking him for all the attitude he's had. He gets home, and uh, he goes to the church and falls on his face and repents. He goes to his house. He cleans himself up, combs his hair, takes a shower, puts on fresh, clean, unwrinkled clothes. I mean, he looks, he dresses himself back up, and he starts going to the church and, and praying. Then he gets inspired in prayer to go all to all the people that had left the church because it hadn't rained in three years. And he went to all of them and invited them back. He said, come on, guys, let's not quit. Let's not give up. And they, Because he had given up, they all had given up. And so uh, they started giving up, then he gave up, then everybody gave up. He went and rounded them all back up and got them back in the church. And they began to pray. And he began to preach differently. He began to tell them, listen, what God did in the Old Testament brought rain. He can bring rain here. If he brought it to the Sahara Desert, he can bring it to right here, right now. And he began to preach. Well, little did I know at the end of the conference that we were, I knew we were going into the bush. We were going out to the bush and preaching at a bunch of different churches way out in the middle of nowhere. I didn't know the first church we were going to was his church. None of us did. We didn't even know who he was. So we pull up to this church, and the place is packed. The church is full. He's told them, this guy's coming to preach. And I guess he told them the story about what happened. He said, that guy's coming, and everybody's coming. And, and I didn't still, I still didn't know who it was. We pull up. The place is packed. There's people hanging outside the windows, peeking in the doors. We had to kind of let us through the crowd to get in the building. This place is packed. We sit down in there, and they do praise and worship. And in Africa, they do praise and worship for an hour, two hours, jumping, dancing. I mean, they got routine dances, like line dances they do to certain songs. I mean, it's a, it's a cardio workout. <laughs> so after we're done with all that, we sit down. I still don't recognize the guy. The guy looked, not just his hair, his clothes, everything about him looked different. When I saw him in that meeting, he looked like a victim. Well, the man I saw now, I'm thinking, this guy's got it going on at this church. And they do this praise and worship. It's awesome. And then he gets up and starts preaching. And the, the interpreter's telling us everything that's going on and the songs and everything. And then he points over at me and says, and this is the guy. I'm in Africa in the middle of nowhere. I'm thinking, they're going to kill me. 
I'm not leaving Africa. They're gonna bury me out somewhere they can't find me. Feed me to the lions. And so he's then, this is the guy, and he starts telling the story, and the interpreter's telling us, and Pastor Swan leans over to me and elbows me and said, Oh my goodness. I'm a, I didn't say anything, but I want to say, I'm already a little nervous about what's going to happen here, so I don't need you to help me. But the interpreter's telling us that he said, this guy stood up and rebuked me, and he told me this and told me that, and then I got on the bus, and then God rebuked me. And then I thought, okay, I might be all right here. I might be okay. He said, then God rebuked me, and I got back here, and I came and got all you guys. I prayed, came and got cleaned up, got all you guys gathered in here. And he began to preach on what we had taught him on the spirit of faith to his people. Guys, I kid you not, this is not, this is not an exaggeration. This is exactly what happened. It poured rain. Why we're in there? I mean buckets. People, people stood up and I mean you can hear it on the roof. It was a tin roof coming down and pouring, and people were hanging outside the doors and the windows, and they started all celebrating, and because it hadn't rained in three years, it had been a drought, and so the people in the church all started celebrating, and then they all, we all went outside. It just got soaking wet, and praise God. But here's the deal. I don't believe any of that happens because of the prayers of that pastor and the prayers of those people. If he doesn't get a spirit of faith and stop being a victim. God said, I'm not a respecter of persons. I don't care if you're male or female. He don't care if you're black, white, purple, or green. He don't care if you're brown. He don't care if you're 10 years old or if you're 85 years old. He's not a respecter. He doesn't care if you're male or female. He doesn't care if you're Jew or Gentile. He doesn't care what your background was, who raised you, what your last name is. If you have a spirit of faith instead of a spirit of being a victim, he will move in your life. He will move in your life. But you first and foremost need to understand how much he loves you. It's that love. It's trusting that he loves you, that he's willing to lay down his life through his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. He said, if I gave you my son, would I not also give you all things? It's like, why would you doubt me if I would give you Jesus and send my son to, to be tortured and murdered and die, to be killed on a cross, if I would do that for you and take on your sin, gosh, why do you doubt I love you? Why do you doubt me when you come to me and you ask me for things that I've already promised to do for you? He wants us to understand how much he loves us because when you understand that, you have more and more confidence when you go in to pray. You have more and more confidence when you speak God's word over a situation. You just, your confidence, your faith starts to rise when you understand that he loves you. And he wants to raise our faith to another level where we're dreaming God dreams and seeing God visions. Things from God that glorify him, bless us, and bless others. Because when you get a dream from God, it always does those three things. It first gives glory to God, it secondly blesses you, and it thirdly blesses those around you. That's what he wants to do. And, it, and it's, it's, it's not all, you know, it's all ministry related, but it could be in the field that he's got you working in. It could be building a business. It could be building a great family. It could be building a great marriage. I mean, you just, you know, no telling what God will use. He'll use what you have to, to glorify his name and to bless you and bless others. He'll use what you have. 
So many people are waiting to get something else from God when he's saying, use what's in your hand now. If you won't do what, if you won't use what's in your hand now, I can't give you anything else. He's not, we're never waiting on God. He spoke the plan, the dream, and the vision of your life while you were in your mother's womb, he said. He's already spoken it. He's waiting for us to move with what, where we're at so we can get to where he wants us to go. But if you won't move where you're at, then you can't go to where he wants you to go. You gotta move now. You gotta move right where you're at. You gotta begin to believe that he loves you. And you're, you're gonna be tested in, in how much you believe God loves you through trials and circumstances. Jesus said this, there will be trials, there will be troubles in this world, but what did he say next? Be of, for I've overcome the world. Listen, do you understand that's a step-by-step -step process first? He said there's gonna be trouble. We're not gonna have a perfectly rosy life. There's gonna be some trouble in this life. But he said the next step is you gotta get to a place where you don't, you don't, we've talked about this many times, God never said to take joy for the bad circumstances. He said take joy in the circumstances. Why would he go, there's gonna be trouble, but if you have a, if you take joy in me, even in the trouble, then he goes to the next thing and says, I've overcome the world. You wanna see God move, you got to get to a place where you understand he loves you so much that even in the trouble, you'll lift your hands and say, God, through my tears, through my pain, I'm gonna praise you, I'm gonna worship you, I'm gonna rejoice in you, I'm gonna get to a place of faith that I have a joy, even though these things are happening, there's still a joy and peace in me because I know this one thing. If you be for me, who could be against me? You are my God and you love me and you care about me. You care about what I care about. I'm trying to stir up before we can even get into the, the steps and the processes that God takes someone to uh, or through in the, in the, according to the word to live out a God-given dream and vision. We have to go through this process. We have to allow God to deliver us from our past so we can live in the present and see the future. We have to allow God to deliver us from being a victim of our choices, other people's choices, whatever the circumstances were or are. We have to allow him to deliver us from that victim's mentality and take on this more than conqueror's attitude. Take on this more than conqueror. That attitude. He wants us to take on a, not a victim's mentality, but a victory mentality. Mm -mm -mm. Go with me to 1 John. Go with me to 1 John chapter 5. Man, I just, I, you know, I just sensed it that the Holy Spirit just set in here. And he's really, really ministering to people right now. He's, he's saying things that I'm not saying. He's doing things that only he can do during a sermon. Listen, in 1 John 5 verse 4 he says this. You see every child of God overcomes the world for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world you know when God said I didn't give you a spirit of fear but power that that right there is the spirit of faith he's saying I give you a spirit of faith he said I gave you a spirit of power there's power in faith faith produces power and he's saying I gave you I didn't give you a spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind all those things go together Wisdom, counsel, common sense, thinking. He said, I gave you that kind of thinking and I, I want you to know how much I love you and you know my power looks 
works through knowing how much I love you. Faith worketh by love. That's his word. Faith worketh by love. It's so simple. I know he loves me. He'll never leave me or forsake me. He loves me when I'm up and he loves me when I'm down. He loves me when I'm doing good and he loves me when I do bad. He doesn't approve of it when I do bad. He's not gonna reward that, but he still loves me. He's still for me. He'll correct me because he loves me. He corrected that man because he loves him. He loved him and it changed their whole, the whole dynamics of that whole village. Because one man finally said, I'm not gonna be a victim. God loves me, and he's a God of victory, and I'm going to get in faith. That whole village got rain. That whole place got rain because of it. He said, you see, every child of God overcomes the world for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors defeating its power? What did he just call you? No, he called you a world conqueror. He called you a world conqueror. Who are you? Man, you guys didn't do much better in first service. I am so glad that I'm not, we're not going to go play a football game right now. We'd be in trouble. I'd be like, my team's flat. I hope they're not fired up. What do he call you? Yeah, I want you to believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He called us. He called us world conqueror. We overcome the world, we overcome death, we overcome Satan, we overcome sin by the power of the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. We overcome it all. We're world conquerors. We overcome the pull of the world. So many Christians are so caught up in pleasing the world and, and adapting their faith to what the world says instead of saying, God, I, I, you never said to adapt to the world. You told me to adapt my life to you. And that's, that's, the, that's the thing that God wants to happen is that he, he first wants us to say, God, I understand you love me. I understand you love me. And that he wants us to begin to pray and learn and learn how to love him with all our heart, to submit our personality, our talents, our emotions, our families, our mind, body, and spirit to him. He said, if you'll delight in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. But if you'll commit your way to me, I'll bring them to pass. There's many that delight in moments, and they'll see what God wants them to see. And he'll, he'll say, here's, here's some things. Here's some stuff I want you to see. But they lack the commitment to actually see him come to pass. You have to do both. You have to delight in him and make a commitment that my life is no longer my own, but it belongs to Jesus. And that's the people he'll speak to. That's the people. He said, I'm looking through the whole world to show myself strong to somebody whose heart is loyal to me, who's all in. Not perfect, but all in. David wasn't perfect, but he was all in. King David was far from perfect, but he was all in. Even when he sinned, he was all in. He ran to God. He didn't run away. He ran to God. And even after what the results of his sin took place, he didn't, he didn't claim to be a victim. He didn't get a victim's mentality. 
He still trusted God no matter what the consequences, no matter what the circumstances. He never departed and never ran from God. God's looking for men and women everywhere that will make that same commitment. He's looking for you. He's looking for me to believe him and see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, go with me to Mark 9, 29. I'm sorry, Matthew 9, 29. Matthew 9, verse 29. So here's what's happening here. Well, let's just read it. We'll start reading in verse 27. As Jesus left the house, two blind men became, began following him, shouting out over and over, Son of David, show us mercy and heal us. And they followed him right into the house where Jesus was staying. So Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I have the power to restore sight to your eyes? They replied, Yes, Lord, we believe. Otherwise, we have faith. We believe you have the power to heal our eyes. Then Jesus put his hands over their eyes and said, you will have what your faith expects. You will have what your faith expects. Or be it done unto you according to what you believed. So what you have faith in, what you believed will come to pass. He said, listen, I'm gonna lay my hands on you. I know I have the power to hear your eyes, but this is going to be based on your ability to believe me that I have the power to heal your eyes. Let it be done to you according to what you expected to happen, your faith. We have to understand we have a part to play in this. I said we have to understand we have a part to play in this. God wants us to have a spirit of faith that what he promised he will do. Let me say it again, that what he promised he will do. And we have to have a spirit of faith about it. We have to understand how much he loves us and then believe what he said he'll do, he'll do. I like this statement. You will have what your faith expects. That's why you see some people continue to gain victories and some people don't. That's why you see people, some people in one area have great faith in this area and, and people in other areas have great faith. You know, because some people have great faith to believe God for for finances. Some people have great faith to believe God for healing. And we should all have all, we should all believe God for all of it. But what you feed on and what you have faith in, you'll be strong in. You feed on healing, you need healing, you need to feed on healing scriptures. Someone asked me a long time ago, Pastor Troy, what do you read? I want to read what you read. I said, you don't need to read what I read. They said, what do you mean? I said, you need to read what you need to read. What, what do you believe in God? What do you need? They say, well, I need healing. Well, you need healing scriptures. You need to read books on healing. You don't, you don't need to, I, I'm, I don't need healing right now. I need something else. I'm believing for this or I'm believing for that. I need, I need scriptures in the word on great raising kids or marriage or whatever else I'm having to believe God for. What you feed on is where your faith will grow. These guys believed. They, they never saw a miracle that Jesus produced. But they heard. What did they hear? The word. They heard, they heard the word because they were blind. They couldn't see it. They had, to, they had to believe the word. The word of somebody saying, Jesus can heal. The same word you're healing right, hearing right now, Jesus can heal. And they couldn't see it with their own eyes, just like we can't see it all the time. But they believed it because they heard it. When you hear the word and hear the word and hear the word, what does it produce? Faith. 
Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing the word. These guys had heard about Jesus and his reputation as a healer, and they didn't just hear about it. They became doers of the word. They believed it. And their faith produced, listen to what it says, you will have what your faith expects. Well, we found out what their faith expected, and instantly their eyes opened. They could see. Instantly their eyes opened and they could see. We have to stop waiting on God and acting like we're waiting on God to get in faith. God's always in faith. We're the ones that need to get in faith. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. He's waiting on us. We're never waiting on him. And that's, we need to begin to pursue. We need to begin to pursue God and pursue his word and feed our faith and hear it and hear it and hear it and read it and read it and read it. I like to read scripture out loud. Because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if I can, I'll read it out loud. I'll read it out loud to myself. You learn more when you do that. You learn more when you read it out loud. Because I want to hear the word and hear the word and hear the word. Because we need that spirit of faith. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Mark 11, verse, starting in verse 23. Actually, we'll start in verse 22. Man, Jesus had just rebuked the fig tree, and uh, it died. And so some things happened, and along the way, uh, uh, they saw that the fig tree had died after he rebuked it. And so in verse 20, it says, In the morning they passed by the fig tree that Jesus spoke to. What did he do? Jesus, he spoke to it. And it was completely withered from the roots up. Exactly what he said, told it to do, it did. Peter remembered and said to him, Teacher, look, that's the fig tree you cursed. It's now all shriveled up and dead like he was shocked. Jesus replied, Let the faith of God be in you, or the God kind of faith. And here's the God kind of faith. Listen to the truth I speak to you. Jesus said, Listen to the truth I speak to you. Whoever, that qualifies everybody on the planet, Whoever says to this mountain, be with great faith and does not doubt, mountain be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. So God's talking to us about the power of faith that makes the impossible possible. You know, you're, we're going to need a spirit of faith. When God gives you a dream or a vision for the future of what he wants you to do and what he wants you to carry out, there's always going to be an element. If God's your partner, there's going to be a place you get to or there's going to be an element of that vision or dream that you can't do. There's going to be elements you can do and there's going to be an element you can't do. That's why you're a partner with God. Because you can do so many things and then you run into the impossible. And then God can do the impossible. You're going to need him as your partner to carry out that dream, that vision. Listen, when we, we started Church on the Move, started uh, about 28, 29 years ago. And uh, my brother was here then. And he was here about seven years. But they started and, and the church was in a mess. It had a different name, uh, River of Life or Water of Life, something like that. And so, uh, but he changed it to Church on the Move because the church was so, the finances, the, the whole church was a wreck when he came here, a wreck. 
And so he changed the name and had to start all over from scratch. And, you know, the church had about 125 people when he came, and he preached so well it went down to 90. And really, he, he thought he was failing, but really what God was doing was pruning. Really, in the natural, it looked like the church had shrunk, but in the supernatural, the church was really growing from the inside that you can't see. And so anyway, there were 90 people, and then he began to minister, and they began to believe God, and the, and the church began to grow. They began to reach people, and the church began to grow. And this, this they, it was across the street in that red brick building over there, for those of you who don't know, that was the whole church. Men, men, women, nurseries, youth, everybody was over there. And let me tell you, two of those rooms stunk really, really bad. And it wasn't the nurseries where the diapers were, it was the youth room and the children's room. I mean, those teenagers, woo -hoo -hoo -hoo. Not a lot of air, and there's no windows in that place. There's no windows. There's little windows, but they don't open. And so it wasn't a lot of circulation. But anyway, they held church over there, and they got in faith, and this whole side of the, the church was a, was a field, and so was this side. It was all a field. Both sides were a field. And they got in faith, and they built the 180 building the best they could. It was a wreck, too, but it, they built it the best they could, and they started a youth ministry. And, and then God began to move, and they started a, a uh, building campaign that failed miserably. And then he said, why don't you come here and pastor? So I adopted this failed uh, attempt to build a building, and it would have failed miserably. We had to start over from scratch on everything and start, had to start over a lot of new ministries, had to step down some people, raise some people up. I mean, it was two years of very hard labor, and I would stand across the street over there, and I would believe God. I'd look at this empty field, and I'd say, that's going to be there, and that's going to be there, and that's going to be there. And I would dream this dream. I'm telling you that because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. We were turned down by six banks. No. And then a bunch of other banks said, we don't even want you to even begin the process. We don't even want to talk to you about loaning you money to build a building. The, the capital campaign of raising the money had failed worse than anything I'd ever seen fail before I ever got here. It had failed miserably. And so the money wasn't in the church. We couldn't get the finances to build this building. A building had been promised. And so I had to take on someone else's promise, and I had to begin to fight. And the people around me in this, that were still in the church, they began to stand, and we began to pray, and we began to reach out, and we began to reach people, and we began to move the kingdom. And I would stand over there till midnight, sometimes 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Julie's calling me like, where are you at? And I'm standing over there with Big Jim, Pastor Jim, and I'd speak over it. I'd say, Big Jim, I see this building. I see this children's building. I see this and I see that. And we would dream and we would talk to God about it. Well, we got so many no's, so many no, the people aren't going to support it. No, the bank won't do it. No, no, no. We got no after no, closed door after closed door. And I remember standing over there late one night and I was talking to God about it. And I said, God, if this is not your dream, then, then just... Tell me, I'll do something else. Tell me what it is. He said, Troy, you've asked me that so many times. You just need to be quiet and listen. I said, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Just tell me. I just want to know. And he said, I told you, you're not building a church building. You're building an ark where people can come and get saved. There's a difference. He said, this is my dream. I gave it to you, but this is my dream. Now, don't ask me again whether we're going to do this or not. Trust me. 
Listen, when you know it's a God thing, you can't quit, you can't give up, and you can't stop. So we didn't quit, give up, or stop, and we're sitting in that building right now. I don't know how many people were with me, but we had a group of people that we scrubbed this floor. We scrubbed this floor three times on our hands and knees from, from the back wall to the front wall, three different times. We scrubbed it on our hands and knees over and over and over again to, to protect it and to make it look the way it does. We, we all did that, all of us. How many of you were there when we got on our hands and knees? Anybody that was here with me? Matthew, there's a couple of you still left. We are on our hands and knees building this building, scrubbing it because we had, we had poured the cement and acid washed it before, put the color on it, and then they built the building, so we had to keep cleaning it up. On our, and we had to do it on our hands and knees. We didn't have buffers. We didn't have any of that stuff. Listen, guys, we've paid a price, and we believe God, and we did whatever. We did our part. We could do that. But then we believed God to do his part. And we found a bank that said, oh, yeah, of course we'll loan you the money. We're like, wow, that's a... Really? We were almost shocked. Like, really? And they're like, sure, of course. We're like, why are all these other banks saying no? We're still in business with that bank. We've been in business with them over 20-something years. Why? Because they believed us. They believed in us. And so anyway, we, 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 we built this section, and then we began to dream about the children's church that's, that you see out there and add that building. We dreamed that dream and built that building. We're still dreaming dreams. We're dreaming dreams about the park and dreaming dreams about, about, and it's still a dream and a vision because we haven't built it yet. It's not done till it's finished, right? And so it's still a dream. And uh, New Mexico Dream Center housing people and ministering to the lost and housing men that are coming out of prison and, and you know, doing, doing adopted block on every house and neighborhood in our city where no one, no one hasn't had anybody knock on their door and say, do you know Jesus as the Lord of your life? That this whole valley knows, this whole valley knows that God knocked on their door. This, from Roswell to Artesia, they know. We still have a dream. We're still living visions and dreams, but God wants us to do it corporately and individually. We did that together, church. We accomplished that together. There's so much more we're going to accomplish together, but God wants to do stuff in you and for you and your family. He's got an individual dream and an individual vision he wants to speak to you. But just like I said, you have to put your ear on his mouth to hear him whisper and tell you. You have to be that close to him. You have to begin to draw that much closer to him. He said, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. So all you have to do is take a step. He'll take, he'll take a bunch of steps. He'll take more steps than you'll take. If you'll just take a step. Say, today, I'm going to draw closer to you. God, I want to know the vision and plan you have for my life. I want to know the dream. Listen, I think one of the greatest things you can give your children as a parent is that you get a God dream, a God vision for a business or whatever God's called you to do, and you live it out in front of them. You live it out in front of them. I have a family in our church that's building a house right now. They dream, 26 years ago, they wrote down things they dreamed about, and 26 years later, they're seeing that dream come to pass, and their kids knew the list they had. They had a list, and they wrote this list, and they've checked it off, and they've shown their children, hey, we checked that off, we checked that off, we believe God for this, and 26 years later, they said, look at what God's still doing. We get to check that box off too, and guess what? 
Guess what? That house is bigger, better, nicer, more land than they, they had it written down. Two acres, you know, little bit house. And man, it's, it's 20 acres. It's a lot bigger house. It's so much more than what they even expected to happen. I'm going to put one last scripture up here. Put Ephesians 3.20 in the King James up here. I'm going to read this to you in three different uh, versions. This is the King James. Now, unto the him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think, according to the power that worketh within, within us. The power that he's put inside of us. The power of what? The power of his love that causes us to believe him and have faith in him that he can do more than we asked or even thought. Go, go to Ephesians 3.20 in the Amplified. Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us. Otherwise, we know this power comes from God is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Go to Ephesians 3.20 in the Passion Version. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream. I mean, I just think about the most unbelievable dream. Do you know no one believed that we could do anything on the south side of town? Who builds a church in a field on the south side? They all want to build churches on the north side. I'm, they need churches there too, but no one wanted to build down here. We bought this land for nothing because no, It'd been empty since the dawn of man. I don't know if anybody's, even the cave, cavemen weren't on this land. Dinosaurs probably didn't walk this land. I mean, it's just been an empty field. No one had a vision. No one had a dream for it. Till the people of God showed up and God spoke. Whether it's a personal dream. I had a personal dream to marry a great Christian girl. God did exceedingly abundantly above what I thought or hoped. I had a dream to have at least four sons. I got five. My fifth one's sitting right here. I had a dream to have a little girl, and my wife said, you have tried five times, and you have not produced a girl. I said, baby, I'm sorry. I have no estrogen in me. It's all testosterone, baby. It's all male here. If I wanted to get in touch with my feminine side, I'd wreck the car and not talk to you for a whole day for no reason. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. Just came out of me. Sorry. I saw that on dad jokes. And I, don't, it was, I don't know who showed that to me. They shouldn't have. I'm going to blame them. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Many of you have prayed with us, and we believe God to have a little girl. And... Uh, over, just a little over 13 years ago, I remember, got a phone call, and we got to adopt a little girl, and we got to present her to the church. It was a dream and a prayer that many of you prayed with us and believed with us, and she's awesome. See, listen. All the dreams are big, but not always big in everybody else's eyes. 
Those are big in my eyes. Those are big in our Father's eyes. He wants to do the same thing for you. Do you understand what you believe him for? And you submit to him, he'll, he'll bring that to pass. That's what he wants to do. Put the passion version back up there. We haven't finished it. He wants to do the impossible. He wants to do the improbable. Your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. That's the power of his love and the power of faith that's alive and well inside of us. He wants to do that for all of us. What will you believe him for? What will you say when you walk out of here and say, you know what, I'm gonna get in faith. I'm gonna gonna start believing God. I'm gonna ask him what my dream, tell me God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to dream. What's the vision you have for me? I wanna fulfill it. I wanna do it. I I wanna accomplish it. And I know it'll have some impossible moments, but you're the God that does the impossible. I'm gonna have to believe you. I'm gonna have to trust you. I'm gonna have to grow in faith. What do I do right now with what I have to see that come to pass? And I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna step out and put some action to my faith. Listen, every eye closed. I thank God for each and every one of you being in church this morning and all those online, thank you for watching. But here's the greatest love of our church. The greatest love of our church and the greatest love of our Father is He wants to save lives. Like He saved ours, He wants to save yours. Here's the deal to to get a God dream and a God vision from him, you first must acknowledge that he is God and you're not. That sounds real simple, but it's really hard for human beings to do, to not want to decide on their own what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong, what they should do and what they shouldn't do. The great lie of Satan is that you can just do your own thing and everything will be all right. It's never all right. Never turns out that way. Jesus gave his life, laid down it for us. And he asked us not to do what, you know, great leaders never ask their followers to do something they're not willing to do. God did what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to live for him. He died for us. He's asking us to live for him. A lot less than what he did to save our lives. So he's asking you that. If you will say, God, I give you my life. You're the the Lord, I'm not. You're God, I'm not. I believe in you. I know I need your forgiveness for my sins. And I know I need you to forgive me and cleanse me. Teach me how not to sin. and Remove the power of sin over my life to control me any longer. I need you to go to heaven and I want to go to heaven. And I need you to live life, this life, and live life to the full where my life is full in this life. That I not only bless you, Father, but I walk in your blessings and am a blessing to those around me. All of that. But it comes with one first step. God, you're God, I'm not. I believe that what you said you did, you did to save my life. And my life is yours. That prayer. So whether you're, if you're online right now, you've never prayed that, send us a message right now. Never prayed, I'm gonna pray.
in this room right now, if you've never really prayed that, never really meant it, or never prayed it, there's no strings attached to this. I'm not going to call you out, not to call you forward. There's no strings. We're going to pray right where you're seated. But if you're here and you've never prayed, really submitted your life to God, first prayer I ever prayed was this prayer. I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to raise your hand up and say, it's me. I need to get right with God right now for the first time. I'm going to get right. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up and say, it's me. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, gosh. Hands everywhere. Thank you. God bless you. Now I want to ask you if you, if you have been right with God and you've known God and you've walked with God, but for some reason you faded. Now you're not walking with him. Even though he's not giving up on you, you've kind of quit on him, but you're back today. Whether online or in here, online, just send me a message. Send up, really, the church a message. Hey, I'm praying to get right with God for the next time. But in this room, if that's you and you've, you've, you've prayed before and you served God, you actually did it, but you, for some reason, whether sin pulled on you or you got hurt or whatever the reason, but you faded and you've walked away from him. He hadn't walked away from you. He wants you to come home and come home right now. If, if that's you and you need to pray for the next time, not the first time, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and we're all going to pray together. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hands. That's you. Praise God. A bunch, a bunch more. God bless you. Listen, let's all pray. Let's all pray together. Say this with me, all those that raise your hand, all those online. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. And you sent Jesus because you love me and love us to die for our sins. And he died. But you raised him from the dead. And he's alive. You did all of that to offer me the rescue plan to save my life. I believe that. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all of my sins. And I receive your full pardon, your forgiveness right now. And I let go of the hurt and pain and unforgiveness towards others. I let it go now. In the name of Jesus, I receive your forgiveness and I forgive. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ. My life is yours. You gave your life for me. Now I give my life to you. Teach me now by your spirit and by your word how to live this life and life to the full in this life till I see you in heaven forever. Thank you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. He's so good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.